All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O. It's great to have you here with us on this Father's Day Sunday. My name is Brian Wiles. If I haven't got the opportunity to meet you, I want to welcome you here. Obviously, with the Being Father's Day, we want to give a special welcome to those of you who are fathers. And it's a really important day. We know that, that the role of a father is just such an important, it's such a foundational thing. Whether we like it or not, our dads, our fathers have had such a massive impact on each and every one of us. So if you are a Dad, we're just so thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you're taking some time out of this day that's kind of dedicated to you to spend with us. And I think that that is the greatest gift that you can give to your children. And we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of this message is that you're showing them that, that putting God into your life and making God the center of your life is, is a foundation for what it means to be a man or a woman that's following after God. So we have a little gift for all the fathers too at the end of the service. Um, over here, you're actually going to get your choice. We have a, a tool bag with some tools in it. For those of us that are a little bit more uh, follically prolific in, in the facial region, um, we have a, a beard grooming kit that you can choose if you want that. Um, so we thought we had to do options because not everybody will need that. Um, but and then, and then you can choose a flashlight as well. But anyway, we just want to give you a, a little gift to show you that we're really appreciative of you spending uh, some time with us today. And as we are uh, coming and gathering together today, we're working our way through this series. We're spending this summer in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith because it goes through and it lists all these different heroes, so to speak, of the faith. And it's been a fun series for me because uh, as I've been listening and, and giving some of these messages, we're really getting to hear about some of the foundational people that, that started what it looks like to follow God. We're going all the way back to Genesis and we're getting a picture of what it looks, looks like to be a man or a woman of God. It's almost like we're getting this Old Testament survey this summer where we're getting to hear different stories of people who have made a, a massive impact and their impact is honestly still being felt to this day thousands of years later. And today we're, we're coming to the place in Hebrews chapter 11 where we're going to be talking about Abraham. And I think it's fitting because if you grew up in church, you might know this song or you might know that Abraham is also, also often referred to as Father Abraham. There's a song about him and how he has many sons and many sons have Father Abraham. And, uh, and so on Father's Day, it's fitting that we're talking about Abraham. But we're going to see this life of a man that truly walked with God and lived out his faith. And I'm really excited about that. I want to give you our big idea as we jump into the text because Hebrews 11, a lot of times as we're looking at these hero, heroes of faith, there's just like one or two verses that's, that's given to those people. Well, Abraham has almost 10 verses in this chapter that are given to him. And I think it shows the significance and the importance of him when it comes to understanding our faith. And so the big idea for all of us to think about and wrestle with throughout this sermon together today is this. For our faith to grow, we must be stretched. And we're going to see that in the life of Abraham. For our faith to actually grow and move closer to God, we must be stretched. It's kind of a universal truth within our world that for something to grow, oftentimes it needs to be stretched. For something to be built back up, sometimes it needs to be torn down a little bit. I, I get the opportunity to, to work with um, the football team. And so on Wednesday night, we have this little Bible study optional thing for some of the guys that want to come over. And, and so they were over at my house this Wednesday and, and usually the, the beginning of the conversation before we even jump into the Bible study, we're just kind of talking about football. And one of the things that you 
pretty much always hear is about how hard their workouts are, you know, and, and the strength coach made us do this, you know, and we talk about all these different, you know, lifts that they have to do and runs that they have to do. And as I'm sitting there eating my bag of Doritos, listening to them talk, I'm like, yeah, that sounds really hard, you know, that, that would be rough. And, and, and the point of that is obviously what we're doing is we're tearing down and we're stretching muscles to make them grow back stronger. And the same is true with our faith. You know, oftentimes we kind of just think of faith as something that's imparted to us, and it is a gift from God, but faith is also like a muscle. It can be uh, built up. It can be torn down so that it can grow back stronger. It can be stretched, and when we stretch ourselves in our faith, it is amazing to see what God does and how he draws us closer to him, and we're going to see that in the life of Abraham together today. So if you want to open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to stop four different times throughout this section. Abraham's life was long. There is a lot that we could focus on in the life of, of Abraham, but we're going to pull out four different things that I, I think that God wants to teach us from the life of Abraham um, from this Hebrews chapter 11 section. So we're just going to start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says this. It says, By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place where he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and he went, catch this, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow, that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Now, I want to stop there. It leads us to our first point. It's this, living by faith often forces us to leave something we're comfortable with. To leave something we're comfortable with. Here's, here's the story of Abraham. Here's what happened with Abraham. He was living in, in a place that was pretty civilized. He was living in the land of Ur in a city named Haron. And as he was living there, there was some wickedness that was going on with the city. But it was actually a pretty decent place from what we know. Tell, archaeology tells us that there were homes, that there were houses. There probably might have even been like some public parks. Like it was a place that was fairly well developed. And Abraham was doing pretty well for himself in that area. And so you have to assume and imagine that Abraham was comfortable in this place. And yet God shows up to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he says, I want you to leave this place and to go. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, like when I'm in a place that I'm comfortable with, it's kind of hard for me to get up and leave. But the Bible says that Abraham trusted God and left, even though he didn't know where he's going. You can uh, either follow along or you can flip real quick. If you want to Genesis chapter 12, it's an easy book to find, first one in the Bible, right? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, this is the, the exact place where God is talking to Abraham and telling him to leave. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from Ur, from from this city of Haron that was comfortable. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land I will show you. Doesn't even know where it is, but he says, God says, I will show it to you. And then verse two, he says, and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is actually one of the most foundational parts of all of our faith. Uh, theologians call this the Abrahamic covenant. It's a fancy word for saying the, the place where God gives Abraham a promise or a covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is where God comes to Abraham and he says, listen, I want you to trust me and out of you and your descendants, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to give you land 
and I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you a people, land and people. And Abraham had to choose, do I stay in the place that I'm comfortable with or do I trust God and this promise, this covenant that he's giving me and move forward? And, and I want you to catch verse 2 here because I think there's something really powerful that, that should apply to all of us here today. Because as God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you, which is, we all want that, right? We all want God's blessing in our life. As God says, I'm going to bless you, he says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, so what we know from this section, what we know from this covenant of God is that when God blesses Abraham, it's not just to build Abraham up. It's not just to give Abraham more things, to give Abraham more blessings. God says, I'm going to bless you so that you in turn can be a blessing to the rest of the people that I bring into your life. And I think the same is true for us. Down in the next verse in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it says that, that all people on the earth will be blessed through this promise that God gives to Abraham. And we know later on that that means that Jesus actually comes through this people that Abraham is getting promised. And so everybody on earth is blessed by this one man's obedience. And as we think about that in our own life, and you think about the blessings that God pours out into your life, the question that we all have to ask is, what do we do with those blessings, right? When God pours out blessings into your life, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever it may look like, when God gives you blessings of health, of prosperity of any type, and we're all blessed if we're really honest. When God blesses us, what do we do with it? Because when God blesses his children, he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. That is the pattern that God starts from the very beginning in his covenant that he gives with Abraham that we still benefit from. God blesses us to be a blessing. So do we use the blessings that God gives us to love and to care for and to bless other people? And here's the reality. In order to truly experience the blessings of God, there are many times where we have to leave something that we're comfortable with for something better that God has in store for us. And that's what faith really is all about. Think about that in your own life. Are there places in your life where you're comfortable, but you know God might have something better for you at the other end of that? You know, maybe it's, it's a, a group of relationships that you're in. Maybe it's the people that you hang out with and you're really comfortable with the people that you've surrounded yourself with, but you know God may be calling you into a community of faith where you really are able to encourage and spur one another on. And so you're comfortable over here, but you feel like God may be calling you to take a step of faith and go to a different level with different friends, but you're comfortable here. And so you're not sure if you can get that blessing of true community because you kind of like and are comfortable where you are. Maybe for some of us, it's like a job or a calling. You know, and, and we have a place that's maybe even paying the bills or maybe even taking care of us, but we know that God has like this different calling on our life, something different for us to do, but, but, but we're comfortable here. And so it's like to, to take this step of faith, I'm not sure if I can do it. Maybe even for some of us, and I've seen this working with college students a lot, and I even had it happen in my own life, maybe you're dating somebody or you're in a relationship with somebody and it's kind of comfortable, right? Because you know the routine and you're used to one another, but you're pretty confident that's not the person that God really has for you. But man, it's so comfortable. And you're tempted just to stay here even though you know there's something probably better on the other end of the spectrum you know, as we think about this reality, maybe some of us have a habit. 
that we're comfortable in. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's just a bad habit that we just kind of continually run to and we know God wants us to leave it behind, but we can't quite do it because we haven't taken that step of faith to experience the blessing that God has. See, living by faith, it often forces us to leave something we're comfortable with. But man, when we do, the blessings of God are often on the other side of that step of faith. And that's what we see with the life of Abraham here. Is there something you're comfortable with that God may be calling you out of so that he can bless you in a way that you haven't experienced yet? Think about that. Ponder that today. Let's jump back in. Let's see what else we can learn from Abraham's life. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says this, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Abraham left this place that he was in, and he wanders out into this promised land, and he left a house, and now he's living in tents. It says, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation, those whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Not Abraham. Not necessarily her husband, but God who made that promise. Let's stop there. It leads us to our second thing. We can always trust God's promises. We can always trust God's promises. See, promises are something that get made a lot in our world, right? If you have kids on this Father's Day, or many of us, maybe we did this as we were kids, you, you play this little game where, where you say something or you make a promise, but you have your fingers crossed behind your back. You guys ever seen that? This, this winter, um, we have a hot tub at our house, and this winter we were hanging out in our hot tub, and it was snowy, really cold, one of those really cold days, and it was just me and my two sons, and they were playing this game of, uh, of seeing how long they could stay out of the hot tub in the really cold before they jump back in. That's what boys do, I guess. And so, my, my youngest son, uh, Isaac, was like, Sam, I'll, I'll give you $5 if you go roll around in the snow and come jump back into the hot tub. And I'm, I'm kind of like a natural consequences guy. I think I've told you that before. I'm like, if you want to do it, go ahead, you know. It's probably going to hurt, you know. It's, it's not going to be fun, but okay. And so my son, Sam, gets out of the hot tub. He's like, $5, really? You sure you promise? And Isaac's like, yeah. Well, he didn't know. Isaac has fingers crossed behind his back, okay. And so Sam goes and rolls around in the snow. He jumps back in the hot tub. He's like, ah, you know, because your skin's burning and everything from, from that experience. And uh, it, it wears off after just a, a few seconds, right. And, and he's like, you better give me my $5. And Isaac was like, I have my fingers crossed, you know. And Sam's like, no. And so they were kind of gone back and forth. And finally I did intervene so there wasn't any blood. And I was like, no, you know, if you promise, you got to keep your word, right? And, and a lot of times we kind of were used to promises that are made from a human perspective. Whether you have your fingers crossed or not, we've all probably had promises broken on us. You know, maybe we've seen that play out. And so when we hear, hear the word promise, we're, we're not always too confident in what they actually mean. But listen, when God promises us something, when God says, this is my word, this is true, we can trust it. There's no finger crossing. There's no second guessing that we have to do because God is a God of truth. God always comes through. And so as God promised this land and this people to Abraham, there were moments of doubt, and we're going to see that here in just a minute. 
But we know from looking back on history that God came through even though it didn't always look like he was. And the same is true for us now. See, now we may not have God speaking to us exactly like God spoke to Abraham, but we have God's word, which is, which is solid and foundational and true. And so we can go to God's word and we can hear it and we can apply it and we can know that his promises are true. They can be taken to the bank. We can know that in Romans 8, when it says that God will never leave us and never forsake us, that that is a promise that will always be true. No matter what we do, no matter how far we run from God. We can go to Psalm 24 where we're told that God cares for and loves the brokenhearted. And we can be sure that when we're brokenhearted, God cares for us and loves us. He doesn't abandon us, but he's right there with us. We can be sure that from 1 John 5 that when we go and we pray that God hears our prayers. That he's not deaf to us, but he wants to communicate and provide for us. Those are the promises of God. And they're found in his word, and they can always be trusted. We can trust the promises of God. God came through for Abraham, and God comes through for us time and time again. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. Let's jump back in. It says this, and it says, And so from this one man, and as... So from this one man, this part's funny. So from this one man, and as he, good as dead, you know, how would he like to be Abraham? He was good as dead. Um, he was an old dude. He was good as dead. Came the descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. I want to stop right there. Third is this. Faith often requires us to wait. Faith often requires us to wait. Nobody likes to wait, right? We can talk about all the cliche traffic stories. We can talk about the realities that we all find ourselves in. Nobody likes to wait. And some of us are more impatient than others, but none of us really like to wait. And the same is true of Abraham. See, here's what happens with Abraham. You, you have to know the context of the story because Abraham lived by faith he left that comfortable place and he went out into the wilderness. Remember what God promised him? Two things, land and a people. Well, he starts to experience the land. He starts to see where it is. But he had been waiting for about five to ten years and he still didn't have any kids. So he knew for, for God's promise to be true, I'm going to have to start having kids because he says he's going to give me descendants that will outnumber the, the sand on the shores, and so I don't have any kids yet. So Abraham was waiting, and he was waiting pretty patiently, but, you know, he's getting old at this point. It says he was almost dead, you know? He was as good as dead. He's in his 80s, and he doesn't have any kids. And so what does Abraham do? Abraham, and actually his wife Sarah, was in on this plan as well. She says, uh, I know that you're supposed to have a kid with me, but it's not happening, so let's come up with our own plan. And Sarah had this servant named Hagar. And so he says, she says, why don't you, you know, go ahead and be with her? And maybe that's how God will make sure that his promise is true. Maybe that's what God meant. See, as the longer they were waiting, they started doubting a little bit more and more. They took things in their own hand. And now Abraham is with Hagar, and she has a son named Ishmael. And this is one of the things I love about the Bible being true. 
Because when, when you think about the Bible, if we were just trying to prop somebody up and just, you know, Abraham is one of the fathers of our faith, right? You wouldn't put this part in the story if it weren't true. But this man that our faith is built on had this major moment of weakness and doubt. In the waiting, he wasn't sure if what God said was true. And so he took things into his own hands and he said, I'm going to go with my own plan, him and his wife, Sarah, as well. You see, our heroes of the faith aren't necessarily heroes because they're perfect. There's only one that's perfect, that's Jesus. They're heroes because they persevered even in spite of their mistakes. And so Abraham doubted God. This man of faith doubted God. And yet at the end of that moment, God says, listen, that's not what I promised you. That's not even exactly what I meant. And so God still used Abraham, even though he had this massive sin in his life. And I think there's something important for us to remember here, all right? When we fall, God isn't done with us yet. I want you to know that. I want you to hear that. Because we will fall. And, and God forbid it's in some big, major way like Abraham did here. But there's not that many things that are worse than what he did, in my opinion. I mean, adultery, the way that they treated Hagar, is pretty bad. When we fall, God's not done with us yet. There's a time of repentance. There, there's a time of restoration. But just because we fall does not mean that, that God has forsaken us or left us, right? Romans 8 tells us that that is true. And so Abraham falls, but God says, listen, I'm still going to keep my promise. You are unfaithful, but I am faithful. And so God comes to Abraham and Sarah after they commit this sin. And he says, I'm, I'm not done. Abraham's 99 Sarah's 90, God comes in and says, I'm going to give you a child, like the two of you. And it says Abraham fell down on the ground and started laughing. Sounds about right, right? I mean, no possible way, right? And, and they, they have this almost joke with God, like, you're kidding us, right? And, uh, and God says, no, I, I'm a promise-keeping God. And so at 90 years old, by the time Isaac is born, Abraham is 100. Isaac, son of laughter, is born. The name Isaac, son of laughter, because they laughed at God when they told him that he would be born. See, God redeemed this situation. And, and I think the lesson for us there is, in the waiting, can we trust God? Here's the place where we don't need to follow Abraham and Sarah's example. In the waiting, can we trust God? What's the areas in your life where you might be waiting and, and God's doing something? Again, we can think about all those areas that we talked about. Could be with jobs, could be relationships, could be with friends. Who knows what the situation is? But are you in a season of waiting right now? And are you willing to trust God while you wait? There's something powerful about recognizing that God's plan is always better than ours. And he showed Abraham and Sarah this, and it's true for us to this day. When we take things into our own hands, we usually find ways to mess them up, but when we trust God and his promises in our life, he provides in amazing, powerful ways. And that's what he did with Abraham and Sarah. He gives them the son, and that promise that he made is still being fulfilled to this very day. And all the nations of the earth were blessed through that son Isaac because Jesus came through that lineage of that nation, that people that God gave, the promise, the Abrahamic covenant that God gave to them. See, 
Real faith that takes waiting sometimes. The longer we wait, the stronger our faith can grow because we know that God is gonna come through for us. Let's close out with this final section here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. It says, if they had been thinking of that country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us here, as they're in the promised land living in their tents, if they were constantly looking back, they probably would have went back, but they were trusting God for the promises. Even though they made mistakes, they were looking forward to God's future promise for them. It says, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They weren't concerned about what they left in the comfort. They were longing for God's plan for their life. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Then verse 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when, te- when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that you and your offering, offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, the story kind of comes full circle. And I gotta be honest, this is, this is a strange part in the Bible, but there's a lot that we can learn from it because after Isaac was born, God comes through with this amazing miracle of giving Abraham and Sarah Isaac at 90 years old. Sometime in Isaac's you know, preteen to teenage years, we don't know the exact age, but God comes to Abraham again. And God tells Abraham this thing that he's never told anybody else and will never tell anybody else since. He says, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, Isaac, his only son. So the only way that this promise, the Abrahamic promise of people and land can be fulfilled is through this son, Isaac, son of laughter. And God says, I want you to actually sacrifice him. Abraham's like, what? Wait, are you sure? And, and God says, just trust me. Okay. And so Abraham steps forward in faith and he takes Isaac up to this mountain and one of his servants is like, what are you gonna do? And Abraham's like, I don't know exactly, but we'll be back. We'll be back. I'm just trusting God. And he takes his son up, Isaac, on this mountain to, to perform a sacrifice. And Isaac's like, well, where's the lamb? Because the, the custom was that they would sacrifice a lamb. And Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide the lamb. So Isaac trusts his father as Abraham is trusting God. And he gets to this point where he's about ready to do what he believes that God is telling. He's about ready to kill his son. The only way that the promise can be completed. And God stops him. He says, no, I want you to stop right there. I just wanted to see you trust in me one final time. I want to look at our fourth point. It says, God is always worth trusting. God's always worth worth trusting. And you know, theologians even wrestle with like, what in the world is going on? Because I can guarantee you, if you ever think that God is calling you to, you know, do something like that, he's not, you know, that was not the norm. That was not natural in that moment at all. Uh, In fact, some people think, and it's probably true, that, that God was actually making a specific point that child sacrifice is wrong. It is sinful because the place that he had come from, they would worship idols, and on certain occasions, they would actually sacrifice children. And so the, the thought is that maybe God did this just to show that that's not the type of God I am. I want to make sure that everybody knows that I would never allow that to happen. No matter what the exact reason is, Abraham's 
obedience, even in that moment, to do what he believed God was calling him to do shows that Abraham was a man of faith. See, obedience both relies on God's strength and it expects us and expect, has an expectancy of God to deliver. When we're obedient, we rely on God's strength and we are expecting that God's going to deliver. Do you remember Abraham's word? God will provide the lamb. And right after that, there was actually a lamb that his horns were caught in these briars. And so they brought the lamb over and they, a ram, and they sacrificed the ram and they worshiped God. You know, I think there's a lot of parallels that are going on there, but I want to close with this. And I think it's so important, even on Father's Day, just to say this. I mean, picture him being a dad in that situation. It's like, wow, I don't think I would have had the faith that Abraham had, you know, to, to truly like almost go through with something like that. I, I don't know if I could have done it, but I think the message that God is showing us and communicating to us is this. There can be nothing that is above our worship to God. You know, think about Isaac, like your kids. It's like you love your kids with all of your heart. And God is saying, I want you to love me even more than your kids. I want you to love me even more than the promises that I've given you. I want you to love me even more than the land that I'm about to give you or the nation that I'm going to make you into. I want you to love me above everything else. I don't want any idols in your life. I want to know that you are connected to me and me alone primarily. And, and as a dad, if you're a dad here, the greatest gift you can give your kids and your family is to put Christ first in your life, even above your kids, even above your marriage, even above your job, even above providing. All of those things are good and great, and we should love and care for our kids and our families. But when we put God first in our life, it enables us to love them in a strength in a way that we can't even love them on our own. When our primary strength and our primary worship is focused on God, then we become the husbands and the dads and the moms and the sisters and the brothers that, that God wants us to be. So God is showing Abraham here, I want to be first in your life, even above the promise that I've given you. As we think about this story, Abraham and Isaac, it draws us directly to the gospel. Think about the parallels. Isaac Abraham's only son was about to be sacrificed for the sins that had been committed. That's what a sacrifice was. Sounds very similar to Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus, God the Father's only son, being sent to this earth, to the world, to be sacrificed for our sins. And the difference is God had to go through with it so that our sins could be forgiven. That's the beauty of the gospel, that God loves each and every one of us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he didn't withhold on Jesus because he had to send him to the cross because of what we've done. But the beauty of the gospel, the reason that it's good news, is because Jesus went willingly so that we could be reunited with him. And there's power in recognizing that. And Jesus defeated death and rose from the grave, proving that he, in fact, is not only the Son of God, but he is God himself. God existing in the form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we all have the opportunity to respond to God, to choose will we follow him 
Well, we accept that gift, that sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that God sent Jesus to fulfill into our own lives. And the way to do that is to say, God, I want to turn from my sins. I want to turn from the idols that I've put in my life and follow you and you alone. doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, but it means that when we fall, we'll recognize that the place of redemption is the cross. That's the gospel. See, we saw Abraham trust. We saw his faith get stretched in a way that allowed him to do some amazing things. And God wants that for each and every one of us. So if you're here today and, and you haven't made that decision, haven't crossed that line of faith, we'd love to invite you to talk to one of our staff, talk to me afterwards, and, and, and make that step of faith and say, God, I want to accept the sacrifice that you made for me so I can be united with you. Let's pray and let's invite the band up to worship.